You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Cynthia Stevens about how to build and run a global demand gen strategy at scale. Cynthia is the Vice President of Demand Generation at Lion Bridge Technologies. Her and her international team are responsible for aligning account-based marketing, demand generation, field marketing, digital marketing, and business strategy across all segments and countries. Prior to Lionbridge, Cynthia was a marketing leader in three successful venture-backed technology startups, two of the three acquired to date in MarTech, FinTech, and e-commerce SaaS. Cynthia, you know I'm wicked excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm really excited to be here. Super excited to talk about this topic. We're almost there on three out of three, right? On the tech side. I know. I know. And, um, you know, really pumped about that. The third is going strong. They're in an awesome space. So, um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to, um, looking forward to kind of following them and, and their progress. I love it. Yeah, this topic is one that I'm very excited to, to pick your brain on and to dive into. But I think prior to even jumping into uh, maybe the topic at, at length, I, I'm curious, you know, first and foremost, why, why'd you join Lionbridge? What attracted you there? Yeah, it's a great question. Because as you um, just said, I, I've been in startups for a while. You know, this was really an opportunity for me to go in and build out demand gen at scale. Lionbridge is in, um, we have solution centers in 27 countries around the world. And so it was really the opportunity um, to go in and work from a blank page, which is literally what the job description said, work from a blank page and, and build it out. Um, and I'm, I'm a marketing architect at heart, right? I love to go in, I love to design and build. And to do that in a much larger company that I'd been at before, right? And go in from the beginning where there's 27 countries and sales teams around the world to support was just a really interesting opportunity. And, you know, we're in some great businesses like life sciences, right? Working with pharmaceutical companies and, you know, medical device companies. Um, So really interesting businesses. Um, And so you put all of that together and, you know, our CMO, Jamie Ponichelle had reached reached out or we connected and it, it just seemed like a great opportunity. You're, you're very uniquely qualified to be, building it from the ground up. So it's obviously a very good fit. It, it was just, it was just super fun, right? Cause it, you know, in a startup, you know, sometimes you're doing that, but you're doing that for one country. I've actually been fortunate to be in somewhere, you know, they had started in Europe and were moving to the U S and I was building it out in the U S um, to, to expand on their growth in in Europe. Um, but, but, you know, this was really fun. So, you know, talking about some of the challenges and pitfalls and, and learnings from the past three years as having built that out at scale. Um, I, you know, I'm just super happy to kind of help and, and share that knowledge with anybody else that's kind of going through the same, same thing at, at large companies. 
it, it's something that we get quite often and we get a lot of questions, um, especially post COVID. I, I hate to bring up all the COVID mm. stuff all the time, but so many organizations were so reliant on field teams and, and doing things how they had been doing them, exactly. right? And That's moving right. to this digital transformation and, uh, you know, rolling out a demand gen function and, uh, it's hard. It's very complex, and there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so I'm, I'm really pumped to kind of dive in. Well, and, and I actually started um, just a couple of weeks before GDPR officially rolled out, right, in May of 2018. And so as I was thinking about it, so I quickly jumped into this environment where, you know, the I was going to say the world changed overnight. It really didn't because people knew GDPR was coming, right? And so in theory, there was time for everybody to adjust, but particularly for sales teams where you're thinking about kind of the old, old world way of doing like an outbound push model and you're just pushing out emails and it's a numbers game that just changed, right? In May of that year. And so I joined at that time and really part of demand gen at scale became, okay, well, now how do you support that team when a way that sometimes some people are used to working has has really shifted and, and shifted forever, right? Because it's not it's not going back. Um, and then, you know, secondly for us, joined at a time when our company was shifting to um, much more of a centralized approach to demand gen. Um, and so, you know, many companies it's very decentralized in each each region like Europe or Asia or each country inside that is kind of off wanting to do their own thing. And here it was really trying to be a change agent to say, we're gonna to try to align and have a globally consistent strategy. So consistent brand, consistent messaging, uh, but still have enough flexibility for teams in regions or in countries um, to do what they need to do. And so really kind of trying to, trying to take all that into consideration. There's, there was a massive amount of change um, that, I, that I jumped into there a couple of years ago. Jeez, right before GDPR, right? Yeah, just a couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, that, no, I can only imagine from Lionbridge's perspective, though, to have someone like yourself join on the team is uh, kind of a breath of fresh air to navigate all of that. Because I know so many of us were, um, I don't want to say in denial that GDPR was going to, to hit, yeah. but uh, we, we kept uh, hoping that it was going to be pushed out and out and out. Um, so, I mean, that, having that transparency and being able to, uh, to align the organization um, was, was probably for them uh, a really great thing. So. Well, thank you. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's been learnings for everybody, right? It's kind of going through that process. And it's definitely a big part of how you think about when you think about demand gen globally, you know, there are all of these regulations and considerations to take into, um, you know, to be to be mindful of, right? And to consider as you're, as you're thinking about and, and planning and preparing. Absolutely. And you were mentioning 27 different countries. This is where I think we, we kind of start with respect to the topic. And you know, how, to, how to build and run a global demand gen strategy, I think could be its own topic. And then doing it at scale across uh, all of these different countries that, that all have different regulations, different laws that you must abide by. We get asked a whole bunch, I guess, uh, inquiries about the verbiage and the, uh, the lingo, right? So trying to understand the difference even between things like What's the difference between localization, globalization, internationalization? You know, there's so many terms that get tossed around and uh, educate us, Cynthia, I guess, help us understand the difference. 
Yeah, it's it's a great question because there are there are a lot of things that kind of get thrown around. And there's an example that we have in one of our pieces of content that I really like because I think it's just crystal clear. Um, think about McDonald's, right? Because it's just one of those brands that everybody knows and, and worldwide. So when you think about it, so they operate in something like a hundred countries, right? And tens of thousands of restaurants. So their expansion worldwide, that's an example of globalization, um, right? Just like Lionbridge, we're in some solution centers in some 27 countries. Um, but by design, McDonald's also creates menus that are adaptable to various local tastes and customs. And so now that's starting to get, right? That policy is now starting to get more into internationalization. Um, and so they have like a meat-free restaurant in India Right. Um, they have um, menus in Israel that serve kosher food and drink. So now that's starting to get more into localization. And so when we think about, you know, at Limebridge and we work with, you know, um, very large companies that are global, we think about all of those dimensions, right? You know, that globalization strategy, internationalization, and then localization across those, you know, those dimensions. It's not just it's not just as easy as uh, just rolling it out blanket across all of it. <laughs> that's, ex that's exactly right. And it gets very nuanced very quickly, um, even within, within countries. Um, one that I um, like to use is Switzerland because <clears throat> where, where, we have, um, where we have some folks, we have offices and they speak many languages in Switzerland, right? So if you're thinking about even marketing within one country, well, there's French, there's German, there's English. Um, and it gets even more nuanced than that. And so, you know, it quickly goes from thinking about it at, you know, a global level to a regional level saying Europe, but Europe isn't, you know, is, is very complex, right? It's not just Europe. And then you get down to a country level and even inside a country, right? It gets more complex than that. When you really try to think about how do you engage people and have content and programs that are locally relevant that are gonna have meaning and resonate with you and, you know, in, within Switzerland, you might need to be doing it in four languages in order to really connect and create that connection with those customers or prospects that you need to do. Jeez, that's insanely complex. It, it is. And so one of the things that, you know, that we do with our customers and, and for myself personally with the team is say, you've got to go in and be thinking about these issues right at the beginning of any kind of demand gen initiative, right? Any kind of program, because right from the beginning, you wanna think about, you know, what's your strategy? Who's the audience that you're trying to reach? Which markets are you trying to roll something out in? And, you know, how do you create that um, local relevance for and, and something that's culturally relevant, something that's gonna have local meaning. And there's always a little bit of um, this yin and yang or balancing act between what you wanna do from the center kind of globally and what you want to manage in region, locally, and a little bit of um, sort of tension sometimes, right, between those two things. Did, how did how was that uh, with respect to to Lionbridge? Like, how, how did you guys navigate that those differences? So you know, it 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 first of all takes communication, um, which sounds cliched, but it's so important internally, um, internally with with all of the stakeholders, um, and obviously sales is a, is a huge piece to that, but also any any senior leaders or managing directors in region. Um, but I, I think it also comes out to just what's your strategy, right? Are you, are you gonna, you have to decide what messaging um, needs to be consistent to create your brand globally, right? At a global level um, and what programs um, you're, gonna, you're gonna think about from a global perspective. 
versus what you're going to do in region, um, uh, where it can't just be localized, but it truly has to be done in region. And, you know, one example to that um, is when you think about content, and content has been a huge piece of our strategy um, because it's so critical for SEO. And when I'm thinking about SEO, I'm thinking about it in Germany, in France, um, in Switzerland, in the US, right? So across all of these countries. And one of the places in particular where it stands out for us thinking about global versus local um, is content. So one of the tips I have is sometimes people think about, let's just translate something from English to French and great, we're done, right? We've got, we've got what we need for that region. Um, but it quickly becomes pretty nuanced. And so one of the things that we've done is say, you know, there are times when we're going to do that. We're going to have content where, um, you know, it's, it's globally relevant and we're going to translate it into French. But there are other times when we're actually going to do the research and write the piece of content in French. Um, or in Spanish or in German right from the beginning. Um, and that that's, that that is a place where we feel like we need to, um, we need to do that at a local level. And so you really just have to think about where, where are you going to strike that balance and how are you making those um, decisions right from the beginning? That's so critical. I, I think like drawing those, those two uh, themes out for, for our listeners, you're talking about you know, really having a strategy from the start, mapping it out, I assume, really, you know, some supporting documents and so on, to understand what is globally relevant versus what should be handled at the local level or uh, customized to some degree at the local level. Uh, I could see really quickly, even, you know, I, I, I obviously, you know, I'm on the sales side of the fence. Yeah, I, don't, I don't delve so much into uh, the demand gen side, strategy side, but I can see really quick if you don't have those things aligned, how uh, messaging might get mixed and it could be blurred of the lines very quickly, um, which would probably be catastrophic across 27 countries, I assume. <laughs> so um, it's, it's not about the language, but it's about the viewpoint and perspective that you come from. And so really being mindful of, you know, of, of your audience and what's going on there. And again, in that case, we've got a global theme We've got a global campaign, um, but how do we think about, you know, the nuances there in, in that simple example, um, you know, and taking that into consideration. And so, you know, I think just, just being really clear about that and um, it's difficult, right? Because it can quickly get to be unwieldy. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny, it just occurred to me, it dawned on me that, you know, starting a demand gen uh, right around GDPR and then uh, a pandemic hits and changes how things are <laughs> yes. done as well. I don't know if uh, lots a of change your could strike and uh, that would just wrap it up for everyone. <laughs> no, I've, I've been much more of a change agent than, um, you know, than I've been in the past in my career, right? Because in startups, it's, it's change, but it's different. You're, you know, you're all sort of going through it at the same time and in the same way. Um, but uh, yeah, lot, lots of change. And I think um, it, just as part of that really clear communication is so key. And it just, it's one of those things you just can't overstate and just really trying to be aligned, which is always you know, something people talk about, it's harder to do, right? But just aligning um, internally, whether it's with your you know, localization team, your sales team, but really bringing all of those, all of those folks together and thinking about, um, thinking about it as a team um, is, is critical. Communication. I, you know, we do obviously a lot of podcasts. I know 
we've listened to a bunch of them. We we keep coming up with that theme, right? I, right. That's that's one that uh, will probably never go away. So um, that's big. I, one of the things that um, I guess for, with respect to the the topic that I have a question on is, you know, with I, maybe I'm looking for specifics even, right? At, at Lionbridge in particular, what did you guys do to, to optimize your digital presence really on, again, across globally, right? Like across all right. those countries. Yeah, the di digital presence, I mean, it's it's so interesting because now with the sort of acceleration of e-commerce, right? For, frankly, in part because of COVID, everybody's thinking about you know, how do you get people, um, how do you get found on what's called this digital shelf, right? If you're in a, a retailer or a brand, how do, you, how do you get found? And, you know, it's something that my team spent a lot of time on responsible for, um, you know, for paid and, and for, uh, for SEO. And, you know, what I said earlier about content is really critical. Um, having great content is, is key. Um, so, you know, you can't, you can't just kind of throw up, um, you know, I will say a static website with you know static content, say great, you know, and 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 maybe even have it in a bunch of languages and say great, I'm done. And so we have a regular process where my um, global head of digital marketing, who does a fantastic job, um, every week we're thinking about okay, what's you know what's the new content that's come out? How is that being optimized? And we really have a little bit of a kind of a hub and spoke model. So we're looking at topics, we're looking at what um, we're looking at you know, what people are searching on. And it's not just in one country, but multiple countries, right? And so we're really trying to think about that truly globally. So if you take any, any topic of vaccine or pick, pick any different topic, say, great, you know, how are people thinking about that, looking for that topic around the world? And what content do we need um, to be sharing around that topic? Um, and again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes we're doing that research in German or in Spanish or in French. Um, rather than saying we're going to start from English and we're just going to translate and localize it all. So we've got a real balancing act there between the two. And so over the past, and well, and I will say as part of that, you know, we've got weekly sprints with a localization team on here's all of the new content that we have that we want to be localizing or translating for our website. And it might be a web page. It might be, um, it might be a new article or blog that's going out on the web. So some of them are content pieces and some are kind of web you know, web pages. Um, and so every single week, we're really thinking about that as part of a kind of think of it as a sprint, right? Think of it as our sprint um, as we're going through that process. Um, and then we're measuring. And so we have some tools that we use internally, which have been fantastic and really allow us to look at, you know, are we moving the needle and, you know, benchmark kind of where we start from to where we're ending the year. And as, as we're doing a year in review now, we were just pulling some of those stats. And so, for example, in Germany, one of the stats we look at is called visibility and you know it's our visibility in germany has gone up 372 percent this year um in you know in um france it's gone up uh you know some uh 400 in spain it's almost 300 this year so by really just having a focus on it and then measuring and constantly doing that on a weekly basis um it is one of those things that um i think that's pretty key yeah, that's absolutely critical, and, and that's interesting statistic. Like, what is that a, a visibility statistic? Did you did you and the team craft that internally? Is that a is that a exclusive to to Lionbridge? Is there some 
secret formula to it that uh, we could no, share with the viewers? <laughs> it's not. It's not a secret formula. And so there are all kinds of tools out there that will um, that will help you take a look at that and take a look at your um, your website and whatever you know whatever languages and the domains that you have. And, and really benchmark it over time. And you literally look at these graphs and say, okay, am I going up or down? And, you know, and then you start to get into the details. Well, how do I impact it, right? Um, how am I doing on keywords? How many top, top 10 or top 100 keywords do I, do I rank for? What about featured snippets? How am I doing for featured snippets? And then you're constantly adjusting um, the content to course correct or, or make continuous improvements where you, where you want to. Um, and so, you layer on top of that from a demand gen strategy, what are the campaigns that you're running to support sales and for which service offerings and, you know, for which sales teams and for which countries. And you, you know, you have to kind of bring that together and think about it um, almost in this kind of more holistic way. I think, I think one of the biggest challenges is when you're doing things more ad hoc and it doesn't connect and you're really not thinking about it in a multi-channel way. Um, I think that's where you maybe don't get the same impact because um, you know, the way people buy, it's, it's not just linear anymore, right? People, you know, people have a longer sales cycle and they're looking at your site and they're looking at reviews and they're talking to people. And it's, you know, it's not just that, again, just that linear sales process anymore. And so thinking about all of your channels, your digital presence, um, you know, what about the sales touches? How are they reaching out? Are they reaching out in English? Are they reaching out in French? Do you have the materials in French so that then when someone goes to our website, they it all sort of connects to one another? Um, and so, you know, I think I think that that's it's it's hard to do, but I think if you can start to do that and think about it, you know, as much from the beginning um, and upfront as you can, um, and again, in in you know, sort of thematically around whatever it is that offering or services or product launch or whatever you might have going on, um, that's that's going to really make a difference. The, the thing that keeps popping back into my head as you're, as you're explaining this to me is this big difference between, obviously, when you're crafting the strategy, between what's a global theme, what's something that will, will not change, I assume, right? Or it's, uh, it's almost concrete uh, in, in aligning with our brand and, and pushing out the same unified message versus what is flexible and what is localized at, at the local level? I, I think um, one of the questions I have is is really from a, uh, how to manage that, I guess, is uh, obviously st strategy-wise, you're outlining it, you're, you're putting, in, um, putting on a document that everyone can share and view what are the global themes and what are the uh, potential aspects that can be uh, tweaked based on um, you know, where you are and, and, and so on. Um, but how do you manage the actual uh, individual local level? Because obviously you're overseeing it in totality across the global level. Do you, do you get into the weeds of understanding all the nuances of the local teams? I mean, wh where do you draw the line as a, uh, as a leader uh, with respect to the strategy? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, that's where I think field marketing um, can, can jump in and right there, really the ones, you know, you know, day to day connecting with, you know, whomever it might be, a sales leader in, in Finland, right, or a sales, sales lead in, in Madrid and saying, you know, what, how do we, you know, is there something different that we need here to support, you know, in region or is there some nuance that we need to be sort of considering? Um, 
but that that has its own challenges, right? Because you've got finite resources, and so um, what you you know you it's tough with when you've got large sales organizations to um, to take two hundred different you know distinct requests and and uh, and support that. And so you know again, it just comes back to kind of you know we really have kind of like weekly sprints or daily sprints depending upon whatever that topic is um, to say, look, here's here's here are the campaigns, here are the themes. Um, that were that were focused on for whatever it might be the quarter or the month, depending upon what's happening. And obviously this year with COVID, you know, we've accelerated those discussions, right? So it's really it really moved for us to kind of daily connects, um, so that we could make sure that we were supporting, um, you know, in, in that way. And um, you know, it's a it's a I think it's a it's a really a journey, not a sprint, in the sense of evolving that process. And, and I think for us, it continues to evolve, right? And it, um, we continue to make enhancements and improvements as, as we all, you know, get kind of more mature in the process ourselves. And so um, I think that's the one, you know, the one maybe learning is that this isn't something that just happens overnight, right? It's going to take time. It's going to take time to, to, to build this out. Hey. It becomes more and more apparent uh, when you're saying you know, there's there's 200, uh, 200 requests or something to that degree, right, across all of these different field marketers, what to prioritize, what not to, how to make those decisions. Uh, communication, to your point, is, is absolutely paramount. It, it must be very hard to orchestrate to coordinate all that. Well, yeah, it, it is. And, you know, as I said, I think just being clear about, you know, what what are those um, what are those things that are going to be most key to driving growth, right? Trying to drive to the revenue targets, the bookings targets, pipeline targets, and being laser clear on those objectives so that at the end of the day for any company, right, any marketer, you know, if you want to be tied into those business objectives, um, ideally. And, and that's something that, um, that, you know, we work very hard to do and, and, and show and measure marketing influence on pipeline and on closed one deals and then on revenue, right? So that we can tap into that. And so at the end of the day, that's one yardstick to use to measure is, is this going to move the needle on that? Um, and, you know, if, if the answer is maybe or maybe not, that gives you one way to kind of assess assess the importance of the request. And it might be, it's a, gr it's a great request, but it's not now, it's maybe, you know, next week or next month um, uh, instead, right? So that we can stay laser focused on driving to those KPIs. Keep everyone aligned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What what kind of learnings uh, could you share with with the uh, Sunnyside Up audience here? Do you, I guess do you have any other demand gen marketers uh, on an ongoing basis? Like, is there any learnings that you could uh, you could point out, or any specific um, things that you want you want the audience to be aware of? One thing we haven't talked about too much that I think is good for folks to keep in mind is the tech stack. Um, and so, again, one of the things that I did when I joined was really evaluate the tech stack and what, what, what we were going to need for demand gen. And you want to think about that from a global standpoint as well as supporting multiple languages. So, you know, a simple example is just email marketing, right? So if you are using kind of a marketing automation program, but you're going to be doing emails in French and German and English and Spanish, right? You're not just doing them in, in one language. Does your tech stack support that, and how will it support that? And how will you, um, how will you, you know, share content in English, um, either with an in-house team or a language services provider, and get that back in the languages that you need in a way that's really seamless and transparent. 
um, because uh, I think that's, you know, so that might be kind of an, um, sometimes an overlooked area. So I would, I would say that's one thing is just really think about that tech stack and what you're gonna need. Um, and does it give you that room for growth as you're thinking about how you build this out in multiple, um, in multiple languages? Um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, really thinking about being clear at the beginning of any campaign. Um, you know, what are the objectives? Who are you going after? What are the audiences? Um, which, which, which I think, you know, you can't kind of overstate, but um, I think that just developing a, a globalization strategy that, that centers on linguistic excellence, and it's a, it's a point our CMO makes, um, really thinking about that linguistic excellence and thinking about that upfront, um, which is going to be key. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the amount of countries and, right. and the complexity that you are pointing toward, even within, you know, certain uh, smaller subsets of, of Europe, even right. Um, that right. that would be difficult. Also, like from a tech 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 perspective, I could assume coordination uh, software or um, some way to communicate uh, more effectively with with the team. Some structure and software uh, to be able to manage that must be pretty important as well. No, that's absolutely right. And I mean, even within you know um, our own country, right in the United States, again, think about. Um, you know, vaccine distribution. And so there are all sorts of aspects to that. But, you know, one of the things that, that we're looking at is that, um, you know, as there's distribution of that and CPS and Walgreens and Walmarts and all the, all the pharmacies and all those sorts of places are, are set to, to communicate, you know, their needs to do that in multiple languages, right? In English and Spanish and all the languages that are spoken in the United States um, and, and thinking about that. And so, you know, for marketers who are um, involved in that and the customer heads of customer care at those organizations, you know, it's, um, it's really, it's really thinking through that even within one, one country. I, I can't think of a better person to give us advice on translation and localization than you, Cynthia, given, uh, obviously well, given, it's been, yeah, all your experience and, and certainly who Lionbridge is, uh, um, which can help our, can, can help our customers out with that to some degree. Exactly. Yeah? No, absolutely. No, it's been a, it's been a fun, uh, fun ride these last three years. And, and um, <laughs> no, absolutely. We do. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been great fun too working at an organization like ours that, um, that absolutely is working with these companies as they're trying to sort, sort through a lot of these challenges and how they communicate with their customers. Like I said, the simple example of a whomever, you know, a Walmart or Walgreens now trying to communicate with customers around vaccine doses. Right. And, you know, how, how do you do that by texting? Do you need to do that in a multilingual way? Or is somebody calling in about a vaccine dose? They need an interpreter on a call mm. um, to speak their language. Um, so it's, it's, it's been fascinating. Mm. Absolutely. I can imagine a lot of our, our uh, enterprise uh, marketers and, and even sales and product listeners, uh, this is going to be near and dear to them. I mean, you know, going global is, is not an easy thing and certainly scaling out a demand gen strategy or how to actually uh, generate demand across that, that global footprint is a, uh, is a very complex thing. And I know we're just scratching the surface of the podcast, yes. but I really thank you for right. taking the time. Oh, is you're there, welcome. Is there a way for, for folks to get in contact with you? What's, what's best? Um, you, I'm reachable on LinkedIn. I would say just look, look me up on LinkedIn there. Okay, beautiful. Absolutely. And uh, we always ask on Sunnyside Up if there's anyone, you know, a couple people, one or two people that you would uh, you would recommend we uh, have on the podcast. 
Absolutely. So a couple of folks that, um, that I would recommend are Drew Fortin at the Predictive Index. And Drew and I actually worked together many years ago, and I think he'd, um, he'd be fantastic. I think you'll really enjoy speaking with him. And then Lisa Skinner, and she's now at uh, Zebra Analytics. And I've heard Lisa speak at um, you know, some events, and I think it was Terminus events actually, ways back. And you know, we've stayed connected on and off over the years. And I think, uh, I think you'd really enjoy listening to uh, Lisa as well. Oh, that's excellent. I'm a, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the predictive index. Love it. I think it's rock solid. So awesome. Uh, well, yeah, I definitely reach out to Drew. He heads, um, he heads their marketing organization. I love it. Drew and Lisa, we absolutely yeah. will. Well, Cynthia, again, can't thank you enough. It, it was a pleasure and uh, I learned a heck of a lot. I hope our listeners did too. Thank you so much. No, it was great fun, Mark. All right. We'll have it back on soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.